You are listening to Essence, a podcast about story, journey, and self. Hello and welcome to the show. If you are listening to this, this is Essence Podcast, a podcast about journey, story, and self. And if you're listening on my YouTube page, um, you will obviously know who I am. But if you're listening from the Trans Canada Project, my name is Ben Stimson. I am a counselor and spiritual director located in Kitchener, Ontario. And today's episode is an interesting kind of uh, divergence from what we our, our our normal format. Today, I am teaming up with Kerry and Kelly to interview them both about the Trans Canada Project. If you are coming from the Trans Canada Project, you obviously know what it is. If you're coming from my social media, the Trans Canada Project is an interesting storytelling project, going coast to coast, collecting the stories, uh, the personal stories of trans people from across Canada, from all forms of different backgrounds, um, who are stepping forward to tell their personal stories related to their lives, related to their uh, trans identity, and related to their experience. And so when I started to see a couple of months ago this project emerging on social media, um, uh, Carrie and Kelly started posting on some of the local uh, queer Facebook club uh, groups. Um, I knew I had to have them on the show, and so I invited them on the show to talk about not only the project but also their background. Um, and so this is a, a, a unique opportunity to kind of interview the interviewers, something I, I'm, I, I seem to be liking to do a lot more lately. So without further ado, um, let's get into the interview. All of the details for the Transcanada project are below in the show notes. And uh, I highly recommend connecting with uh, their uh, their social media pages and looking at their interviews. Um, each interview is approximately 10, 15 minutes long, um, and the individuals being interviewed speak a great deal about exactly what this podcast is all about. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I am very pleased to have on uh, Essence Podcast today, Kerry and Kelly from the uh, Trans Canada Project. If you're joining me from uh, Essence, um, you obviously know who I am, but if you're joining me from the Can Trans Canada Project uh, uh, social media, my name is Ben Stimson. I'm a counselor in Kitchener, Ontario, and my podcast is all a, a, a podcast about journey, story, and self. And on today's show, we're focusing on uh, two individuals who are putting together an entire project all around story. And I am really pleased to have you both on. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having us. Thank you for coming Thank on. Thank you. Um, so, uh, 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 Kelly and Kerry, um, I'll ask for you both to introduce yourselves, especially being that this, uh, it'll be viewed on your own channel. So Kelly, who are you? What are you doing here? <laughs> oh, good question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a trans woman, um, a, uh... <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, I, I broke it. Um, I honestly don't know what you need. <laughs> um, I transitioned uh, in December last year. 
So I'm a baby trans, basically. Mm -hmm. um, I've been doing media production for 20, 30 years in, in, in various different forms from, from you know, old-fashioned days of paper and print and graphic design and whatnot. And, and, uh, and then computers came along, and that was exciting. Um, so um, I got involved in fixing people and sometimes their computers as an IT person. And um, I'm a father of six. And um, my wife and I are separated, but we're friends. Um, still parenting, still um, building a new relationship as friends rather than as, as husband and wife. And um, I, I, that's, that's all pretty new. So I'm still really learning. I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do. Today is actually our 36th wedding anniversary. Oh. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a baby trans, but I'm old. Uh, <laughs> it's a, a very liminal space to be in, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's 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 interesting. I had um, a very introspective day yesterday, um, mm -hmm. um, trying to decide what to do mm -hmm. with today. Um, so I'm up on a podcast. Um, <laughs> um, the I, I'm a project manager. No, I'm not. I do project management. I'm a person. Um, <laughs> Uh, with, with, with with various skills and certifications and whatnot. Um, I'm having to get used to being a person rather than a career holder. Um, that's a part of my learning to be me. Um, yeah. Did that answer the question? I'm Kelly. <laughs> nice to meet you, Kelly. Uh, no, I, 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 that did answer the question. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah. And there's al already in all of what you just said, I can tell that this is going to be a very interesting conversation just from what, what like all, you, all those little nuggets of wisdom. Kerry, welcome to the show. Who are you and what are you doing here? I'm Carrie, um, and I'm here to do a podcast. <laughs> um, uh, I identify as uh, non-binary trans. Um, it's a bit of a long story that maybe we can get into a little bit, but, um, yeah, I, I have had a fairly long life too. I'm also an old person and a young trans. Um, I, I spent, uh, 12 years as a pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, I spent 12 years in it doing network administration and I'm two thirds of the way through 12 years of doing photography so right now i'm a photographer videographer um which is really great for the project that we're doing because uh, i do all the media stuff and and the recording and the photos and things like that so that works out good yeah um being non-binary um i'm it, it was very hard for me to figure out i mean all my life um i i couldn't quite tell myself that I was trans because I couldn't tell myself I was binary trans. It was hard for me to say that I was a woman. Um, and, and it's only really in the last few years that I have um, come across this idea of being non-binary. And it has, uh, 
it has really helped me to figure out all of this stuff, which is not easy to begin with, but uh, yeah. So being non-binary, I don't feel like I have to be 100% woman. And I know that I'm not 100% man. So uh, I kind of, I have some days I go one, lean a little more one day and some days I lean a little more the other way. Um, it gets confusing for people um, sometimes because I do appreciate presenting more femme. Um, so people are like, well, why don't you just say you're a trans woman? Um, it, well, it's because it doesn't really fit completely, right? Um, yeah. This is this is really who I am. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I that what you just said at the end um, really encapsulates and connects to what Kelly was saying just a, a moment ago about learning to be a person and not title, right? That uh, really just seeing yourself as an individual and as a person and not so connected to a label or a title or a um, um, to to that kind of external objective, right? Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you both uh, for coming on. Um, I became aware of your project um, a few, I would say probably about two or three months ago, you started posting on some of the local queer groups, um, uh, which, uh, the Waterloo Transgender Network uh, and Queer Ontario, and I've seen it pop up several other places. Um, in brief, can you explain what the Trans Canada project is? And then I want to hear, uh, well, I want to drill you on um, how the project came about, what, who, whose brainchild was it, and kind of how that, how that grew um, and, and evolved over, over that time. So I, I don't know who'd like to take that question. I can, I can take that one. Um, the, uh, so being a photographer, um, I run into a lot of uh, different things just in training and whatnot. And um, I ran across a project that someone had done um, with photography of uh, Muslim women across Canada um, and really highlighting who they were and how they lived and their lives. And um, that kind of resonated with me and it kind of planted a seed as far as, oh, I'd love to do a project like that. And uh of course, the natural thing for me to think about as far as what group would make sense for me um, as I was coming through this journey um, was to start thinking about uh, doing it with trans folk. Um, so that was kind of the seed, but there's a lot more to it, of course, than just the seed. Um, as I've gone through my journey, part of what I've really sought out and wanted to find are the stories of other trans people. Um, most people have no clue. Most people don't know trans people or even queer people of any kind, um, LGBTQ, any of those letters, right? Um, and so they don't really understand because they don't know us. And so a big part for me was trying to find people that I could connect with to learn about them so that in turn I would learn about me. Right. Right. Um, so the whole idea of the project kind of grew out of that then um, that we could find these stories and and let people tell their stories we're not trying to tell a story or our story we're just trying to let people tell their stories within the project um, and in doing so we're hoping that those uh, stories will reach out to people who are perhaps uh, starting their journey and trying to find their way through this because it 
<laughs> it's not an easy journey to figure out. Um, even even in these days where it's more accepted, um, it's it's still difficult to figure it out within yourself. So relating to those stories, we were hoping that they would be able to um, see themselves in those stories and see that uh, things don't have to be all that bad. There are plenty of horror stories about being trans and the things that can happen, um, but we want to kind of present it in a little more positive light, um, mm -hmm. let people see that we are just real people who have real lives and trying to live them as best we can, just like everybody else, right? We're also kind of hoping that um, it won't just be the trans folk who watch these videos, but it'll be um, cis folk as well, mm -hmm. who are perhaps wanting to be allies, but don't really know us. It gives them an opportunity to get to know um, our community. Um, and even for those who, who maybe are opposed to the trans community, that in watching the videos, they might learn a little bit more that, hey, we really are just real people. Perhaps see themselves in the eyes of the, of the individuals you, you're, you're, you're um, interviewing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I want to pick up on what you said. Um, you said... Uh, you know, there, there are certainly a lot of horror stories and there are certainly a lot of, um, and especially in the media, it's, it's you know, it's, your, it's, it's a very uh, renowned queer trope and trans trope of the sad trans victim, right? Um, and I've seen the, the swing in the past couple of years to really change that and, 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 and move into a space of just people living lives. Um, but that that piece around, and I want to pick up on and ask Kelly about it, if I may. Um, that piece about wanting to tell the stories and put those stories out there, um, Kelly. In your video, your interview with Trans Canada Project, you talked about mm -hmm. how it was so important for you. And and Kerry, thank you for that, by the way. That was a beautiful description. Um, you 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 were talking, Kelly, about how you you just wanted to tell somebody, and you had situations where um, it was received well, and then there was that one medical professional where it did not turn mm -hmm. out very well. Can you talk to us a little bit about what it is like to, to what is the coming out process for you? And Carrie, I'd love to ask you that afterwards, if, you, if you'd be interested. What, what was it like for you, Kelly, just to be able to tell that story? Oh, um, it, being, able to come, being able to come out was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. It was enormous uh, as you watched in my story, I suffered depression and anxiety for quite some time and suicidal ideation. It was um, me denying it and not addressing this particular issue that dragged it out. I mean, I, I had clinical depression anyway, um, but I think being trans and suppressing it, I think, had a huge part in that. Um, I suppressed it to the point for a number of years that I wouldn't discuss it with medical professionals at all. So in essence, they could have had one hand tied behind the, their back, not knowing uh, the whole story. Um, and when I was in a place where I was 
healed enough that I could tell that part of my story to uh, my my therapist and my GP. Um, things started moving fairly quickly in terms of it's actually plausible that I, I was diagnosed with gender dysphoria quite a number of years ago. Um, and I, but again, I, I suppressed it. I did, I decided I wasn't going to do anything about it. And it, it just about killed me, literally. Uh, it drove me to suicide, an attempt to suicide, um, which woke me up pretty abruptly in terms of, hey, there's, there's a problem here that I need to address. Uh, but ironically, even though I knew why I was trying to end my life, I didn't tell any of the counselors or the medical professionals that I was working with that that was the reason. Mm-hmm. I was... I was afraid, uh, and I also didn't think it was possible to do anything about it. Um, it, it, it wasn't until my wife and I split up that the opportunity came along to actually live my authentic life. And I, I, I did a uh, I, I did a couple of years of intense therapy. I finally got on hormone replacement therapy and got my own place and ripped a bandaid off, essentially, which is what I said in the video. It's, it, I basically just, I, within a week of moving in to my new place in December, I transitioned. Just 100%, I'm done, I'm out. Um, uh, I gave my family a couple of months and say, you know, I was going to come out publicly in March. Um, I ended up coming out publicly in February because I couldn't wait. Um, but, it, you know, I talked with my wife, I talked with my kids. We had, you know, the family discussion about dad's a woman now and how do you guys feel about that? And, you know, how would you like to interact? How would you like to deal with that? Um, and by and large, it was either positive or noncommittal. Um, uh, the boys didn't want to talk about it that much. Uh, the girls were uh, some of the some of the girls anyway were um, quite open and 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 very positively responded. Um, my wife knew about it. I told her about four years ago. Uh, but I also promised her that I wasn't going to do anything about it. Um, but again, it it drove me to, um, yeah, um, <laughs> it, it it was unhealthy. Um, it was it was definitely ment- mentally and physically unhealthy. I mean, I, it, it, the two tend to go together, don't they? Uh, when your mental health de- deteriorates, so does your physical health. I mean, um, yeah, so like I said, when I got my own place in December, I transitioned, gave everybody a month or so notice to, to talk about it with in-laws and family and friends and whatnot. And we, um, my wife and I discussed and in person with all the key people in our lives. Um, so it was always a one-to-one, one-to-one face-to-face mm. Um, discussion and not just a 
hey, by the way, I'm trans or whatever. Um, and then I posted it on Facebook and uh, I posted a, a coming out letter, um, which was which was actually well received as well um, to the, the more distant family members. I, I have family scattered all over uh, Western Canada. Um, it was a huge, huge, huge relief for me. It was it was a burden for my wife. Um, but it, it, as I discussed with my mother, it was a matter of life and death. I had to transition or I would not be here. Um, and my depression has been largely, I mean, I, I I spent two years apart from my wife um, undergoing therapy and I got a handle on it and learned how to manage depression because as you know, you don't cure it, you manage it sort of. Um, uh, but taking, now I've been on antidepressants and they were effective and I, had a, I have a really good psychiatrist who's been managing the, the dosages for me. He's absolutely wonderful. He's been a rock for me. Um, and my psychologist that I've been seeing has been wonderful as well. She's been just astounding. It, it, when I finally came out to her, um, she basically said, I have no training in this. And I thought that was interesting. She taught at U of T for 20 years, taught psychology. And she's a PhD level clinical psychologist. And in her training, she got a day of training on transgender issues. Um, uh, so she was, she was very, uh, very forward about that. Um, but that seems to be typical, which is interesting as well. I ended up seeking out a trans friendly um, counselor specifically to deal with the trans issues as opposed to just the general psychology that I was dealing with. Um, which was extremely valuable, extremely valuable. It was also hard to find. Very hard to find. Um, yeah. uh, so that that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, I had another point someplace and I lost it completely. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's down there somewhere in this place. Um, my endocrinologist, um, I told her that I was trans, but I wasn't actually seeking hormone replacement therapy from her. Mm -hmm. um, I had been treated for thyroid problems. I had thyroid, thyroid cancer. And so she was uh, treating me for, for that. Um, and she was the one that basically said, we don't, we don't treat people like you. Mm -hmm. And I'd never heard anything like that in the medical community before. Um, after talking with a number of other uh, trans people and queer people, uh, I found out it wasn't all that uncommon. Um, and that surprised me. Mm. Uh, I, how do you, I, I, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't grab, I don't get it. <laughs> um, uh, I feel like I'm a bit wandering a bit. Um, I have found 
uh, the mental load lifted uh, substantially with the hormone replacement therapy, uh, which I was sort of expecting, but also surprised me that it was actually effective. Uh, and this is one of the things that my, one of the earlier counselors, the one I talked to years ago that diagnosed me with gender dysphoria basically said that hormone replacement therapy either works or it doesn't in the sense that if your body needs it, if your brain needs it, it'll let you know. And if it doesn't, it won't feel like anything. And um, I, I took um, anti-androgens initially in August last year. And uh, the, the best analogy I can, I can come up with is it was like an angry little buzz in the back of my head that is now gone. And I didn't know it was there until it was missing. And just an unbelievable sense of relief of that pressure gone. Um, and, and then starting estrogen had the typical, you know, like primorin wear dresses and makeup estrogen doesn't actually make you do that but <laughs> um but uh it in, in a sense it, it's it's what my brain needed i can i could feel that um i have been um a very methodical organized person that's kind of one of the things that i do and over the years i journaled and I was in the middle of my treatment for depression, looking back at journal entries from 10, 15 years ago and mourning the loss of mental capacity that I apparently had back then that I don't have now under the, the, the load of, of depression. With treatment, with care and love for my family and estrogen, I had my brain back. Um, the, the, the analogy that I use is kind of like bandwidth. I mean, I'm, I'm a nerd, I'm a nerd girl, what can I say? Um, but the constant pressure of thinking about and worrying about and mulling over and whatever, um, my, my transness and what to do about it, went on for years and it, it consumed me uh, in a way that reduced my ability to function uh, and reduced my ability to be a decent marriage partner, a decent dad. Um, it, it consumed everything. That's all gone. I have my brain back. It's, it's, it's like magic. It's absolutely like magic. Uh, That's beautiful. That's really it, yeah. Yeah. Really so I'm, I'm very, I'm very pleased with the direction that things have gone. It's, it's funny as you were, as you were talking about um, that relationship between your body and your mind and, and the coming out process. Um, I was reminded of, of the, the work of, oh, and you know what, I'm blanking on her name now, but the body keeps the score. That idea of the body really holding that 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 knowledge and wisdom and knowing what it wants and what it needs, right? Mm. And then it's up, it's up here that's causing it's up here and all everything around us, you know, everybody peer pressure, causing um, us to to doubt that. Um, and I love what you said about you you didn't know it was there until it was gone. Yeah. 
and I've heard that many times with pe with with people's coming out process is um, they weren't aware of something that they were holding on their shoulders or holding in their gut or holding somewhere um, until it was released from them and they released it and they recognized that they'd been holding on to that for so long um, and and the oh, being able to breathe again right yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was huge and, and so positive. And the funny thing is, my wife, my brother, my parents, my friends have noticed a huge change. I mean, to the point where it's almost like I'm a different person. Mm. Um, yeah. There's aspects of my personality that have always been there, mm -hmm. but subsumed and suppressed. And now they're not. Now they're freed up. Um, and that speaks to your experience of, of getting your own place. And then boom, you were like, I'm not, I'm not holding back anymore. This is who I am. And I'm going to be living like this. Yeah. yeah. I needed to, I had to. Yeah. Um, space. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Um, and uh, first of all, thank you for, for sharing all that. And that tie, what you said a lot in there really ties in with your experience as well, Kerry, with your coming out process, unsurprisingly, right? Um, but can you, can you speak a little bit about your experience and, and especially because you had a divorce of your own with your church community and with, with, with God in some ways before reclaiming that relationship. Um, may I ask you more about that? Yeah, well, my story is, um, it has a lot of similarities to Kelly, but it's very different in a lot of ways, too. Um, where Kelly ripped a Band-Aid off and um, overnight basically transitioned. Um, for me, it's been a lot more of a slow burn. Um, I grew up in a church. Um, I grew up with um, evangelical beliefs, and um, sadly, those beliefs held me back from really exploring who I was and, and allowing that to surface. Um, I've had a good life. I'm, I'm not complaining. Um, you know, and as a man, I have, I have uh, four kids and um, they're all, they're all grown and some of them are gone <laughs> um, and, and they're doing well. Um, so I, it's not like I had um, the kind of depression or other motivation like Kelly described to, to, that I needed to change that. But what I had all my life was this nagging, nagging, nagging um, thing that, um, that it just wasn't right. Um, I, I found myself cross-dressing a lot and, and I hated the fact that I had to hide it. Um, and it, 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 that brought a lot of shame and other hurt to me um, that, that, I'm still unpacking and I didn't even realize some, some of how much that actually hurt mm. me. Um, and I'm, I'm growing through that still. Um, as I said, about two and a half years ago, three years ago now, um, a big part of my story was that I, I had always struggled with this with God. I'd always prayed about it. I was, you know, trying to pray it away, as, as some people say, um, and it wouldn't go away. Well, about three years ago, um, I, I remember distinctly being in the car driving home and um, just praying about it again and feeling God say to me, I mean, not in an audible voice, but just feeling his presence and feeling him saying to me, 
it's okay, Gary. I, I accept you. I love you. Um, and you're okay. Mm-hmm. And, and that was what I needed to get it started. Um, at that point, I felt like, okay, I know I'm loved. I know it's okay. I feel like it's good with God and, um, and, and they're going to be okay with it. So um, I started gradually working through it. Um, I am still with my wife. Um, although things have changed over the last few years, a lot. Um, and it's difficult. It's hard to work through. Um, um, but um, that has really slowed down my process because I love my wife very much. I know she loves me. And we're desperately trying to, to, to make that work in some way still. Mm. I, I got connected with uh, some communities, uh, some queer communities. Um, one of them in particular, uh, a community that is um, built within a faith group and um, was, was really pleased with the way that went because, again, I, I had some affirmation that my faith didn't need to be entirely abandoned. Um, I just needed to kind of um, deconstruct all of the, the stuff that had been built up around it that, that really doesn't make sense. Um, but the people are, are told about and they believe and because that's the way it has to be, right? But it's not. Um, so that, that really helped me. And, and as I said about our project, you know, trying to find people who you can relate to and, and helps you understand yourself. Well, that group really did it for me. Um, they helped me learn more about myself by learning more about them. And it's been a very slow process where I have ripped off little band-aids rather than just one big band-aid. Um, I call them giant baby steps. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's like every little thing, um, carrying a bag for a guy, you know, it, it, it doesn't happen. So it was like a, a giant baby step for me to carry a bag. And, and um, when I did it, I realized this is no big deal. <laughs> it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just been a series of things like that right up to the point where Kelly and I can go to the mall and go shopping together in a dress and, uh, and feel good about it. And um, as far as the people around me not accepting me, I've actually found the community be, to be amazing. Uh, we, we do get the odd, strange look, people trying to figure out what we are. But, um, but for the most part, people have been very kind and uh, very good. Um, the places where I've really struggled the most as far as people accepting have actually been more in my family. Um, my kids uh, grew up in an era where it was more accepting. And for them, it was like, we're not upset that you're trans. We're upset that you never told us before, right? Um, but uh, my wife, uh, who is also accepting of the trans community, um, of course, that's a whole different thing, though, when you're a spouse and you, you have a marriage relationship based on being heterosexual um, and cis, and um, so she's going through her own journey right now and trying to figure that out. Um, and, and just as a little aside, I mean, I'm hearing about communities now that are, um, that are beginning to grow around people who are dealing with that. And I, I, I think that's so, so important and, and so needed. And as I see her struggling with it, um, so much that she needs to, uh, 
to be a part of that, not with trans people, but just so they can process their own trans journey as a spouse of someone who has come out. Um, but really the bigger difficulties that I've had have been um, with the older generation in my family. Um, uh, both my parents and my wife's parents struggle with it. Um, and although they, they haven't abandoned me or turned their backs on me, you know, neither do they want me coming around in a dress or, um, or presenting female in, in too great a way. It's, it's kind of funny, isn't it, though? Because, I mean, I can wear nail polish. I can, I can wear jewelry. I can actually be wearing 100% uh, female clothing. And yet, if I put a skirt on, it makes a huge difference. I, I don't get it. <laughs> there must be some psychological thing about that skirt. That skirt. Um, but but that's really the only place that I've had uh, struggles with is is with that generation accepting it. And, and as I said, I'm not a hundred percent out there. I'm public, mm -hmm. but I'm not advertising. Um, I haven't gone to the point yet where Kelly has of actually posting a letter on Facebook to say to everybody, "Hey." Um, I actually had a, a really interesting um, event and as part of the Trans Canada project. I decided to use the name Carrie. Um, more regularly, uh, especially within the queer community, and and eventually it may get adopted, but I'm still going by my my old name um, in other circles. And um, in the process of of doing the Trans Canada project, I created a Facebook account with the new name um, so that I could uh, administer and work with uh, the Facebook page for Trans Canada project. But the the funny thing was, I created the Trans Canada project using my old account. And when I went to use the new account, of course, I had to create myself as an administrator in the other accounts. So I, I did that. In the process of that, I had to have my old account friend my new account. And what I didn't realize was that now all of my friends would get friend suggestions for Carrie. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so that's been kind of interesting, too, because as people kind of notice it, I've had a few people inquire about it. And it's, um, it's allowed me to kind of approach them a little bit more one-on-one -on -one and um, test the waters and, and see whether they're really a friend of Carrie or whether they just want to stay a friend of, of the old person. Um, so, I, so I still have a big circle of people in, in that old account. That, that's, that's a real, that, so that's an interesting point in itself is that, that again, that liminal space and 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 how navigating in that liminal space, that in between space, um, between you know people's uh, beliefs about who you are and who you know you are to be, and who you're discovering yourself to be, and it it it, it it's it's funny because the coming out experience, like I I came out as a cis gay male years ago uh, when I was a teenager, um, but I feel like anybody who's coming out of anything they navigate that weird in-between time. And, and that really is a crucible of, of discovery. That, it's a beautiful, it's a scary time though. It's a petrifying, terrifying time though. Um, and so I really appreciate what you're saying with that. It must've been very strange to see both names, both accounts next to each other on, on the screen though. Was it weird? Um, I, I, you know, I, I, a lot of trans people refer to their old name as their dead name. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't. I don't. I, I don't see my old person as dead. Um, 
and and I don't I'm I'm not sure whether that's because I'm non-binary, whether it's because um, I've lived so long under that name and have so much life under that name. Um, I'm I'm not sure what exactly that's about with me, but I um, I still appreciate who I was, and in in many many ways I still am that person. So so that person has not died. In fact, I would probably be fine with using my old name, except that it's very gendered, <laughs> and so. Um, to be a little bit more um, accessible to people in a sense, um, right? So that um, they're not jarred by that. Um, it's it's more of a safety issue to go with um, the new name. Yeah, but you're right. It is it is a, a long and scary process. And and I'm and again because I live in the space between, I I'm not even sure for me it will ever really be completely over if you know what I mean um, because I'll constantly be facing that well which are you well I'm not really either <laughs> you know yeah I'm kind of hoping that society will become a bit more I mean and accepting and it, it's it certainly seems to have been I mean I really would have loved to have transitioned when I was in high school or just before high school um, but 70s and 80s not a good time to be trans um, um, it, you know, things have definitely changed for the better. And, uh, you know, one of the people, I, who I think it's, yeah, one of the people we interviewed recently, um, she's an activist actually with uh, the NDP um, for trans issues. And, um, now my, my old brain's disappearing with <laughs> things I was going to say. Um, she had actually talked about, uh, yeah, so she had mentioned how 10 years ago um, or 15, 20 years ago, the gay community went through the same thing and um, have done that that work that now the gay community is more accepted mainstream. Um, people have some idea what it means to be gay and, and um, are willing to embrace people who are. Um, the trans community, I think, is just starting that journey um, and, and we have good hopes that eventually we will be fine um, and we will find that space um, but we're still at the beginning of that journey yeah. it, it really is right now the past i would say probably the past five or six years has really been the the, the trans community spotlight um, and all of the other um, plethora of identities that have emerged. Um, a, a guest I had on, a very good friend of mine, we were chatting about that, and she was saying how, and I've seen it too, even in the in the in being part of the, of, of the queer community generally. Um, it, it feels like there are words now being used and being taken up, and identities that are being taken up that you know, 10 years ago, wouldn't have been even on the radar. And it, and the kids are really, like the teenagers, the young youth um, are really at the forefront of that. Um, you, you talked about this, um, Kerry, with the, 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 the kind of the identity of non-binary. 10 years ago, you would never even heard of non-binary. Um, and so I feel like there's, um, just generally, there's this, um, there's this real... And it happens every generation, let's not be honest here, but there's a real interest in really queering and, and looking at and, 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 and rejigging language to fit current kind of needs. Um, 
And so that leads me to my next question. What has it been like to, um, uh, for you both, what has it been like to be on your own journeys starting out and then meeting people of, of such a, a, a diverse um, uh, number of backgrounds? I mean, I've seen some of the people you've posted already. You had uh, Kimet, who is, what, 16 was, are they? Well, Kermit. Kermit, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> Um, and then um, that um, that uh, um, uh, that woman from uh, BC, um, a little, a much further aged, um, and and coming from two very different uh, life experiences, connected through this one life experience. What has it been like for you to meet such a diverse group of people? It's been it was, it's been really cool. Um, one of the things that drove us to do this in the first place. I mean, uh, there's a number of reasons, um, but we wanted to see ourselves on, or people like ourselves. Yes. Um, and there was a number of stories from the States and UK and whatnot, but there weren't very many Canadian stories. Mm. Uh, for one, there weren't a, a number of stories with, with our age group yeah. as well. Um, That's a big one. It, the, the diversity that we've been able to find so far is actually really cool. Mm. Um, and very educational. Uh, just one of the one of the reasons my ki my kids had such an easy time accepting me is our family was, was is one of those that kind of just takes people in and helps them out or whatever. The kids always did that, and, and um, one of the people that we'd helped out, um, her boyfriend transitioned, and so they'd been exposed to that at the school age level. Um, so it was like, okay. I mean, that was literally one of my son's reactions. Your dad's a girl. Okay. And <laughs> was that disappointing? In yeah. the, was that disappointing in a way? <laughs> I was, no. That's actually a fair amount of verbiage from a teenage boy, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it, it's it's been interesting to when we're doing the interviews now seeing the variety of viewpoints mm -hmm. um, uh, with for instance Kermit growing up in I'm not going to say more accepting but less aggressively disparaging <laughs> mm -hmm. um, environment uh, whereas whereas a, a number of the older um, trans people that we've interviewed had very similar stories in terms of they had to wait a long time before it was safe for them to come out mm -hmm. um, internally as well as externally right i mean i, I had this, the same thing it it wouldn't have been safe for me to come out in the 70s or the 80s and uh, as much as i spent nights crying in my bed asking god to change me into a girl it wasn't until I was in my fifties that the opportunity made it plausible and practical, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and in some ways I wish I transitioned a long time ago, because then I would have actually had been, you know, properly enculturated as a woman instead of having to rush to kind of figure out what being a woman is, because I don't really know. I'm still figuring that out. Um, um, yeah, the, the diversity of stories 
is huge. And, yeah. and depending on where you're coming from, that, you know, as Kelly's alluded to, when you're, when you're older, there are issues that we've had to deal with because of the way we've grown up with a culture that did not accept it and pushed it away, that a younger generation doesn't face. But the younger generation is facing different issues than we do. We grew up, we, we, because we didn't accept it, we have families, we have uh, a spouse, we have kids. Um, the younger generation has to face the challenge of, okay, so I'm trans. What does that mean for me sexually? What does that mean as far as partners? What is my life going to look like? Um, and that can be a, a whole different challenge to life, yes. right? Um, part, of, part of the great thing for me in seeing this is, I, I, yes, I want to relate to the stories and I want to relate to the people myself, but I also don't want it to be just stories that are like me. I don't want it to be old white trans women entirely right um I'm, I'm really hoping that we can see the diversity um, that is in our canadian community right yes. um one of the one of the things that i'm a little bit afraid of is that uh you know there, there is a lot of white privilege even within what we're dealing with and that it's a lot easier for old white trans women to tell their story than it is perhaps for for um those from the african-american community or or um, other, you know, sort of double marginalized people. Um, but we want to tell their stories too. And, and we're, we're seeking out them as well to try and tell those stories too. Absolutely. Yeah, that point about, um, about privilege, I think lands very well, because when you do look at, I mean, the same with the gay community 20, 30 years ago, when you do look at the trans community now, uh, the majority of the kind of the out trans voices out there are all white and they do come from very particular backgrounds um i and I, I, I but it's interesting because i think it's a very generational thing too the younger crowd um uh, especially in university settings um like queer theory is so saturated with intersectionality and you you see a lot more um bipoc uh queer voices in the in the youth but when it comes to older say you know, older than 25, um, it, it does tend to be privileging white, white, the white experience. And I, I'm curious then, um, what is it, what has the feedback been like for you to reach out to uh, Canadians of any background? What is that, back, what has that feedback been like? And have you noticed that certain groups are coming forward more than other groups? Hmm. The only um, uh, like written feedback, uh, other than you know likes and things, um, has been from the participants, the actual cast members themselves. They've been almost, almost to a one, uh, so grateful for having a platform to be able to tell their story. Um, and, and several of them, like I, I didn't know anyone would be interested in it. Um, it, it, it makes it makes me feel good that that we're providing uh, a venue for them, um, and, and like that that response has been overwhelmingly positive. Mm. Um, we're only just kind of starting the social media marketing stuff now, um, so we're we we don't have a huge reach, um, so I don't have we don't have uh, much of a reaction from. The general community yet mm. that's that we're just just starting that 
I mean, we we were in pre-production for January and February when we started doing actual uh, interviews and, and filming in March. So it's back where we're, we're really new. Yeah, at this point, we're basically just one month into actual videos going online. So yeah, it, it's yeah. like it's been so much longer, but this is COVID time right now. It's like time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, then let's rejake that question. What are you hoping that the community, how are you, how are you hoping the community will react to it? Well, I'm going to back up just a little bit and mm. sort of mix those two questions because yeah, sure. um, yeah, I mean, when we talk to people about the project, everybody's really excited. That's a wonderful project. I think that's a great idea. And really, my fear was more that we would have trouble finding people who would actually want to tell their stories. Mm -hmm. um, but in in that light, um, I found that people are excited about it, that they want to tell their stories. They want people to know what it's like. They want them to know what they're like. They want them to know their experience. And, and it's been amazing. And as Kelly um, referred to, we've had a number of people after the interviews and they get to see their interview that are amazed and, and love it. And they give us that feedback and it's, it, it's wonderful. Uh, even on the, the YouTube, I mean, like I said, we haven't been out there that long. So we, we perhaps haven't picked up the haters that, <laughs> that are likely to eventually come, but I love seeing the stats of the number of people that are watching those videos and, and the number of likes that are on them. You know, we haven't caught a single, uh, dislike so nobody listening please don't go and do a dislike no. <laughs> <laughs> i would be very disappointed if someone's listening to like your channel um, so but it's, it's it's all been very positive very positive beautiful beautiful has anything surprised you with the interviews you've had so far like on a personal level or on a professional level But this is really my first uh, big project with kind of a YouTube um, presence. I, I, I've mucked about with YouTube as a lot of people, photographers, videographers will do. Mm. Um, and, and you know, gotten varied response to different things that have gone up. Mm. Um, but I, I've been really pleasantly surprised by the traction this is picking up. Mm. Um, and I'm really excited about um, the possibilities for the future with it that um you know kelly and i are chatting about all kinds of other things that we can we can do surrounding this i, I mean the youtube channel is is sort of the covid iteration iteration with zoom recordings um, but ideally what we would love to do is actually go and visit some of these people um and and chat with them in person and record the interviews um perhaps do some photography and share um not just in video on YouTube, but perhaps in other ways that we can find, maybe we can find a gallery that would um, tell some of these stories. Um, we, we do post the stories on uh, a blog so people can go and read them. They don't have to just go in and watch them. Um, you know, in whatever way we can get these stories out there, we want to do that. I, I, I don't think you'll have any, any issues finding a gallery to movies because right now, um, I know of another project that is um, underway that isn't telling life stories like you are, but it's it's still the essence of telling our stories for us. And uh, it's a project in Toronto um, to create kids' um, storybooks with trans characters. And but it, it I mean that it, it took the community actually saying no, we want to have these stories written by us for us. Um, 
because so many of our stories are told by other people, right? Outsiders, people who don't have this experience. And that's what I love about your project is that you're, um, not only is this your, your own lived experience, um, but you are reclaiming that this is stories for us, by us. You can watch it, we want you to watch it, um, but it's really for us to kind of express ourselves. And based on, on, on what you've both spoken about today, um, um, as part of your own coming out process and coming into the community and 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 and, and finding yourselves, um, it sounds like this has has had a lot of impact on you both. What have you learned about yourselves through this? Ooh, tough question. Um, and you can take as much airtime as you want. Yeah, <laughs> I the, 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 part of my role as as paperwork girl, um, I network and this is um a thrilling change in my personality according to my brother and my dad uh, i was very very um uh, shy and uh and inward focused uh, for the longest time and uh i've uh I've, you know taken a you know social media uh, accessibility course I've taken. I'm actually just finishing the course with University of uh, Laurier, mm. um, uh, Women's Entrepreneur Program. Mm. Um, I've been networking all over the place to find uh, people to support us, to find guests for the show. One thing I've found really interesting is is that I can actually do this. I can actually talk with other people. Um, that's surprising the heck out of me and my brother, actually, <laughs> uh, <laughs> who's been an absolutely just amazing supporter. It's, um, I've been mostly networking inside the queer community and the women's community. And I'm finding unquestioned acceptance. Just, you know, um, I'm the only trans woman in the Laurier program at this point. Um, and uh, uh, I'm working, it's their business boot camp. It's actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for a, a productivity nerd. <laughs> um, total acceptance. Absolutely. Just total. No, no blinks, no nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the culture that I'm experiencing is wonderful and very affirming um, and bringing up the project the trans canada project with uh with that group and with a number of other groups it's like this is a great project this is really you know this deserves to to be supported this deserves to be seen um that kind of surprised me a little bit i mean just the, the general acceptance as well as i say okay i'm a trans woman and i'm you know, my friend and I are doing this episodic documentary thing, and uh, and, and and everyone's going, "That's great! That's great! What's the, what's the URL? Where, how do you how do you find it? Where where are you guys?" And it, it just they want to see it. Um, that's been that's been that's been awesome actually, uh, and really affirming for me, and also very positive. Um, not not just affirming as being a woman, but and being accepted, which is a big big deal for me. Um, just you know that we're doing something that other people think is worthwhile uh th- this was something we were kind of doing for us and doing for other people but 
we're getting more and more feedback of, no, this is a good thing. And it, that's, I'm running out of words. <laughs> it's, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, which is actually a bit unusual for me. Um, There's a number of things that have been surprising for me. Um, I, as I said, I, I'm not as out as Kelly. Um, and so um, it's, it's, I'm also quite an introvert and that's why I like to sit behind the, the computer and do the editing and the, you know, the video and whatnot. And if you watch our videos, you'll notice that neither Kelly or I actually appear in them, <laughs> even though we're actually doing the interview. Um, so I, part of the surprise for me is just along the way, there are so many little um, times when I'm like, wow, this just feels right. And, and it's, 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 it's easier and it's making it easier. Um, in some ways I need a little bit of that push out of the closet. Um, <laughs> and, and the project has really helped me to do that. I think as well, even just being on this podcast is, is giving me another little push to be a little bit more public. So yeah, that's good. I, another thing that surprised me, um, Kelly mentioned uh, being part of the women's groups and um, I, I don't, tend to be the networker. I don't tend to get into the groups, but one thing I have noticed is that uh, women in general seem to be a lot more accepting of the trans community than men. And, and I, th I think that that is probably something that men should think about um, because that's definitely male culture that is, is part, of the, part of the issue there. Um, another thing that I've noticed and it's kind of surprised me is that uh, as, as trans people, I think part of our being um, bridges the gap. Um, you know, like if people are like, why, why are there trans people? Well, you know, there's men and there's women. Um, and sometimes they don't get along because they don't understand each other. Um, you're talking to two people here who have kind of experienced some of both sides. Um, you know, and I think, I think we have a voice to help fill that gap and help perhaps, you know, like, like what I just said about um, men not really relating, like, I, I have some understanding why, because I lived there, you know, um, why do men, women like to congregate in, in groups and, and chat so much? I have some understanding, because in some ways I live there. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think we, I think we have an opportunity as trans people, not, not just to find our voice, but, but to actually find purpose in that. Yeah. yeah, really shifting the story away from again what other people are projecting onto onto to us um, as as queer people generally and and trans people specifically, but also um, finding those that niche in 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 for us, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been a wonderful chat. I, I, there's so many questions I, I, that are inappropriate for me to ask on a podcast like this, but um, there are so, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this project un, unfolds. I know there's a, a ton of people I've uh, sent this info to and said, you should be on this, you should get on, uh, and, uh, and hopefully they'll reach out. But I, I am very curious, especially being a project based in, in, in Kitchen Waterloo here um, and, uh, and focusing on Canadian stories. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this unfolds. And we will have to have you back on the podcast again uh, for a recap to see kind of where you're at with the project, um, to see um, what, what new insights you have gained and, and what new directions um, you're heading to. So Kelly and Kerry, thank you so much. Um, 
if uh, if you're joining me on my own podcast, I've put the information for Transcanner Project down in the show notes. If you're joining me from the uh, or joining us from the Transcanner Project, um, I've asked that my details be put down below, um, and uh, we will definitely have you back on the show if you'll come back on. Yeah, we'd love Absolutely. to. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much.